0: Well, welcome to Front Range. My name is Ernest Smith. I'm the lead pastor. and We're so grateful that you guys are here. Whether you're joining us in person or maybe you're joining us online, we're grateful to have you. And our hope and prayer is that this will become a home for you, a place where you can build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith in Jesus. And one of the ways that we want to offer you an opportunity to grow in your faith is we're teaching a class. Actually, it's happening right now. Uh, and if you want to get up and leave me, that's totally fine. Uh, it's happening right over there in the corner. It will be happening for the next four weeks. A uh, class called How to Read the Bible. And it's just basically we've had a lot of questions over the years about, man, like what translation? How do I know if, if, the, if the, the Bible is really God's word? Uh, how do I read it? How do I study it? You know, those types of things. So we're going to be teaching uh, four weeks of that. I'll be teaching it next week. Uh, Pastor Johnny's teaching it right now. And so uh, if you're interested in growing in that and growing in your knowledge of God's word and how to read and all of that, uh, then uh, maybe come to the 9 o'clock and then uh, stay for the, uh, the 10.30. Uh, now, by show of hands, how many of you love movies? How many of, how many of you love to watch a movie? Anybody? Okay, most of you. Uh, man, me, me and Sarah, that, that is like our go-to for date night. We love movies. Sarah mainly because she gets a big bucket of popcorn uh, and loves that part. Uh, for me, I love uh, almost any movie, anything that's got humor or violence uh, or, uh, or my favorite type of movie is that that comes with a twist. Uh, now I was thinking about my favorite movies or some favorite movies of mine that, that uh, come with a twist. I thought about Coco, if you had little kids, you've seen Coco, you've got the uh, Ernesto de la Cruz, which is the coolest name ever. Uh, he is not the family member of the, uh, the star of the show, but he's the murderer, which means you can never trust a guy named Ernesto. <laughs> Just saying. Just saying. Uh, and then you've got, uh, you've got one of my favorites, uh, Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back. Remember that one? Do you remember where you were? It's kind of like, like those special moments in history. You remember where you were when Luke says, you killed my father, and Darth Vader, what, what's his line? What is it? Some of you are wrong. It's not, Luke, I am your father. It is, no, I am your father. Go look it up. Some of you are like, you're blown away. When I found that out, I fell off my chair. I'm like, what? My whole world has been destroyed uh, at this point. But when he says, no, I am your father, I'm like, oh, my gosh, twist. For some of you, it's a double twist today because you didn't know that's what he said. Uh, Or you think about the, the genius behind probably the greatest twist movies of all time, M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, Think about some of his movies, right? Like The Village. That was a weird one. Uh, Did you ever see Lady in the Water? Super weird. Uh, 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 What else? Uh, Signs. Uh, The Sixth Sense. Remember, I see dead people. And if you haven't seen it, you don't know what I'm talking about. And I won't give it away, but Bruce Willis is dead. Uh, And so... (laughs) If you haven't seen it, you're not going to go see it now. Uh, Might as well tell the story. Uh, Man, I love movies, books, or anything that has a twist except my own life. I don't love it when life events have a twist. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm a control freak. And so I like to control everything about my life. So when there's a twist in it, I'm like, hold on. Like I didn't sign up for that. It's kind of something God's been working on with me, and I think it's why uh, Jesus tells some of the parables that he does. He, he presents certain parables that have a twist to get us thinking in this direction and then completely change our thinking, hopefully changing our action as well. Right now, we're in the series called uh, Stories of a Kingdom, where we're looking at parables, which are just short stories with a truth that Jesus tells us and uh, tries to guide us in certain um, uh, values and beliefs and that type of thing in, in life, and this parable, I think has the biggest twist, the one we're going to look at today, has the biggest twist out of any of them that he tells. And this parable is going to hit all of us. Say all of us. It's going to hit all of us where we are. No matter where we are in our relationship with God, no matter where we are in our faith journey, no matter what we believe about certain things happening in the culture around us, this parable is going to hit every one of us. If you have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 12. That's what we're going to be looking at. If you don't have a Bible, no worries, it's going to be on the screen. If you need a Bible, go to that Blue Connection tent that Pastor Mike just talked about, and we'll give you one. We don't need your name, money, none of that stuff. We just want to give those away. Uh, Or you can download the Bible app. It's also a great resource. So here's how it starts. In uh, Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 13, it says, Someone in the crowd said to him, him being Jesus, Hey, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. So this guy comes, he says, hey, Jesus, will you tell my brother that he needs to split our inheritance? And Jesus is like, man, I, th- this isn't for me. Like, I- I'm not your judge or anything like that. Also, here let me hit on like, what the real issue is. The real issue is your heart. And then he drops that line. He says, your life doesn't consist in the abundance of your possessions. He could just drop the mic right now. Like we just close up church right now and be like, okay, yeah, that's, that's some truth that all of us probably uh, need to hear. This is a, a parable that he tells that impacted not just this generation, but has impacted every generation, including ours. So he's trying to teach this idea that, hey, you're, like, you don't need what you have. Like your life is not about all of those things. But Jesus says, hey, you're not catching what I'm throwing. So I need to tell a story along with it. Look at verse 16. It says, And he told them this parable. The ground of a rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. And we read this and we were like, man, this guy sounds like a smart dude. Like he's 100% followed Dave Ramsey, right? I mean, he's done his debt snowball. He's got his emergency fund. His portfolio is fully funded. I mean, this guy, he's good to go. I mean, he, he doesn't need... In fact, if he, uh, if he was walking down the street and somebody said, hey, hey Jim, how you doing? He would say what? Something like, uh, better than I deserve. You know, he's lived like no one else, so one day he can live like no one else. Now, I'm not, not knocking Dave Ramsey's principles, because his principles helped Sarah and I uh, uh, during some of the worst times financially to be able to make it through and survive and all of that. But I don't think Jesus is trying to teach Dave Ramsey principles here. He's about to turn the story in a whole different direction. It comes with this twist. Look at verse 20. It says, But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God." He says, you fool. Fool? I mean, the guy who was smart enough to like make lots of money and build bigger storehouses and he worked really hard and he doesn't have to worry about his food or his clothing or his retirement or his medical care or vacations. He's got everything that he could possibly want. That guy's a fool? This is exactly the twist that Jesus is trying to put on the story so that he, he can speak to you and I so that he can get our attention. What's he trying to teach? Is he trying to teach that making a lot of money is bad? No. Is he trying to teach that saving and, and, and planning for retirement is a bad thing? I don't believe so. What is he trying to teach then? Well, in every parable, Jesus is teaching us three things. He's teaching us something about the kingdom of God, something about the heart of God, and then he's teaching us what is ours to do. So like it's not enough just to believe something or to understand something. You've got to do something with it. So the first thing he's trying to teach us is that God's kingdom is not this kingdom. The first thing he's trying to teach is that God's kingdom is not this kingdom. Like when we look at this kingdom and the values and, and the things that people strive for and all of that, that's not God's kingdom. God's values, God's uh, um, uh, goals for, for you and I, God's economy is all different than what the kingdom is we currently live in, than the culture that we currently live in. Let me, let me kind of give you some comparisons. In this kingdom, in our kingdom, we seek and store up. That's what we're taught, to seek and store up, to get as much as you possibly can. In God's kingdom, we look and give away. In this kingdom, it's about looking after me, It's about making sure that I've got mine, that I'm taking care of, and all that. In God's kingdom, it's about looking to God, trusting in Him. In this kingdom, it's about working for tomorrow. You work really hard so that one day, for God's kingdom, it's about living for today. Not in a carpe diem type of approach, but an approach of like, you don't know when your last day is. So why work so hard and save up so hard for one day when that day may never come? In this kingdom, we lead with our no on the table. Meaning that whatever is presented to us, we're like, no, no, I'm good. No, I don't have this. And we lead and we have all these excuses ready to go, but we lead with a no. In God's kingdom, I believe that you lead with your yes on the table. That whatever comes up, whatever the scenario is, you lead with a yes. Doesn't mean you can do everything, but you lead with that. In this kingdom, who you are is found in your status, your wealth whether you have a blue check mark next to your name or don't anymore, you know, what, whatever it may be, like that's where your, your worth is found. But in God's kingdom, your worth is found in Him and what He says about you and what He's done for you. This has been one of the most challenging things in my life. I grew up in a uh, upper middle class family. Uh, my dad worked really, really hard um, and he climbed the corporate ladder and made lots of money. I think one of the ways that he showed us love was uh, by giving us nice things, making sure that we didn't um, have any needs. And we didn't. Uh, I don't ever remember having any needs growing up as a kid. And then my parents got divorced and we went from a two you know, income household to just my mom's income, which wasn't a whole lot. And she was going to school at night just to try to make herself better and hopefully maybe make a little bit more money. So I went from this kid having no needs at all to a kid paying for almost everything. My mom made sure that there was a roof over my head. She made sure that there was uh, food most of the time in the pantry. But I was a growing kid. I ate a lot. I grew a lot. And so everything that I did with friends, everything, um, when I I needed new clothes and stuff, like uh, I paid for almost everything. And I learned from my dad this idea that, that you work really hard now for this one day. You work really hard now so that one day you'll be able to enjoy it. One day when you retire, you'll be able to kick back and just rest and, and travel and all the things that, that we want to do. I don't ever remember my parents giving away money. There was a couple times when we went to Walmart uh, uh, when, and there would there'd be a guy outside with a bell, you know, and my dad might drop a couple, cha- a couple, a couple pennies or whatever in there, but we never gave away money. Like, we didn't go to church, so we didn't give money to the church. We didn't sponsor any kids in Africa. There was none of, none of that. Why? Because my parents worked really hard for their money. So their money was ours. It's our money. And then a few years later, I accept Jesus into my life, and I start trying to follow God, and I begin to learn that, that God is a God of generosity. I mean, one of the greatest verses that for God so loved the world that He what. He gave. I mean, God's great generosity toward you and I allows us to accept Christ and to have forgiveness and to have eternal life. So God's, God's a generous God. His, his entire economy is based around generosity. So I'm beginning to learn these principles. And so I start trying to be generous. I start tithing, which is giving 10%. So everything that came in, I'm 17 years old. Everything that came in, I gave 10% out. Not only that, I started going, well, what else can I do? So I started sponsoring a kid in Africa. This is before I had kids. This before I was married. I was just a single dude. And I'm like, I'm going to sponsor a kid in Kenya. I'm just trying to learn because I know that this, this idea of money and this, this fear of not having enough and all that, it's got this tight grip on my life. So I'm trying to loosen it. But my mentality doesn't change. The mentality that I need to work really hard now for this one day. So I keep doing it, I work really hard, really hard, really hard and I begin to realize it's now impacting not just my life, but my family. I get married to Sarah, we have two kids and I'm realizing this point that my drive for one day is impacting our today. Like we never have enough and we can't do anything now because we have to have enough later. And so we're always, I'm always working for that one day, we never ever have enough. Then my dad is diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And this guy who worked his entire life to make money so that one day he can travel, one day he can spend it with his kids, one day he can be a family man, this nasty disease changes everything. And so I begin to think about this, this value that I saw lived out, this value that I hold on to at this point in my life, and I begin to question it. Like, why would I work so hard now for one day that may never come? Like, why would I be willing to sacrifice things now for this one day that I may not have the mind or the body or the relationships to enjoy that one day? So what do we do? Sarah and I just began contemplating that, praying through that, talking with friends about it. We decided one of the things that we decided to do was to always have our yes on the table. What does that mean? It means that anything that's presented to us, we always lead with yes. So if our kids want something, we lead with yes. If we want to go on vacation, we lead with yes. If we feel like God's calling us a partner in some way, we lead with yes. Now, let me make sure I'm very clear on this. It doesn't mean that we always do yes, okay, because we still have a budget, and a part of our budget is is retirement, okay? So we still are planning for that one day, but I'm not living every day now for this one day in the future because it may never come. And so we lead with our yes. It means that when our kids come to us with something or when we have an idea or we feel like God's going, hey, I want you to do this very thing, we go, okay, yes. Now how? Right? There's got to be planning behind it. we got to look at the budget. we got to see. And the answer at the end of the day may be no, but we're going to lead with yes. It's like when For the Church, For the City came around. Just like the McCunes, you know, they, they talked about their story. We were kind of the same way. We just, we just believe that God has called us to lead with our yes. So we felt like God was saying, hey, do this for the church, for the city. We're like, yeah, we're going to be a part of it. That's not even a question. Like we didn't have to pray about it. You know, I, I communicate to you all, like pray about being a part. Like Sarah and I, were like, we're not, we're not praying about it because we lead with our yes. Like we already know that God is saying yes to be a part of that. We didn't really even pray about our number. Like, we just got this number, and we're like, okay, we kind of believe that that's what our number is. What we had to figure out was the how. Like, okay, now how many kidneys am I going to have to sell? You know, those types of things. Like, what am I going to have to do? Like, what changes in my life am I going to have to make to be a part of what God is choosing to do? We always have our yes on the table. Why? Because God's kingdom is not our kingdom. And in most areas of our life, we're very thankful for that. I mean, think about God's kingdom. I mean, God's love is different. God's justice is different. The way that God sees people is different. And we love that about God, but we can't disregard God's economy. We can't like pick and choose, like we're gonna take these things about God and His kingdom and what He does and then leave this one out. That's not how it works. See, God's kingdom is not our kingdom. A second thing Jesus is trying to teach, and this one is about the character of God, is that Jesus is most concerned with our heart. Jesus is most concerned with our heart, I love that Jesus doesn't knock this guy's ability to make money. He doesn't say, oh, this, this, this rich guy, I can't believe he's rich. He's not, he's not knocking his wealth. Jesus doesn't say, oh, the, the root of all evil is money because that's not a biblical principle. The root of all evil is the love of money. What he's attacking is the heart. He's going, your, your priorities are out of whack, man. Like what you're focusing on is out of whack. Like, what you're hoping for and you're striving for and you're trying to achieve is off base. What was this guy trying to achieve? He was trying to achieve security and comfort. I mean, at the end of the day, that's really what he wanted, right? Is security and comfort. And I would say that every person in here, including myself, wants security and comfort. Like, you don't have to shake your head if you don't want, but would you agree with that? Like, every person in here longs for security. Like I've never met a person that's like, man, I love living paycheck to paycheck. Whew. Debt is amazing. Like I'm so I'm such a piece right now. Like I've never met that person. Why? Because we want security. I've never met a person that's like, I, I don't want comfort in my life. I don't want the nice things or or whatever. I don't want a nice bed or what, like we all want security and comfort. Jesus knows that. So look what He says in verse. 22 the very next verse after this story says then jesus said to his disciples therefore i tell you do not worry about your life what you will eat or about your body what you will wear don't worry about your life (laughs) what is jesus crazy i mean how, how do i not worry about my life i mean jesus have you seen my life do you see all the stresses and all the things that we have going on? I mean, let's just hypothetically say we're in the worst economy that I've seen in our lifetime. The stock market has, has gone pretty far down. We had a war and then the gasoline prices went up. I mean, like, just, just say that would happen. Jesus, you don't want me to worry? How am I not to worry? What he's doing is he's saying, I need you to focus on me. There's this fascinating spiritual principle. Fascinating spiritual principle. I promise if you, if you figure out how to live this out, you'll be doing really well in life principle is this. The more you trust in God, the more your trust for God goes up. It doesn't mean it changes your circumstances. Your circumstances may still be the same. They may change. But more than likely, they're going to stay the same. But as your trust for God goes up, your worry and anxiety goes down, creating greater peace. What does security and comfort give us? Peace. At the end of the day, that's what we're longing for. At the end of the day, we, we long for, we strive after peace. The greater your trust, the less your anxiety and worry, the greater your peace. The reverse is true. The more you choose to trust in yourself, your ability, all of that, you don't trust in God. As your trust in God goes down, your circumstances don't change. you can be like, I'm gonna work really hard to get us out of this. Doesn't mean your circumstances will change. What it does mean is your anxiety and worry will increase, causing your peace to decrease. Jesus is saying, I need you to put your heart on me. I love in this passage, when Jesus starts with a story, he says, and he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He doesn't say the rich man worked really hard and he was really smart and he invested really well. It says the ground yielded the harvest. What does that mean? It means that God gave it to him. God's the one that gave it to him anyways. So instead of focusing on all, all the things that God gave you, focus on God. And when God has all of you, you'll see that he provides all that you need. When God has all of you, you'll see that God provides all that you need. And the third thing Jesus tried to teach us, and this is what is ours to do, it's pretty simple. It's seek his kingdom. Seek his kingdom. Look at verse. 31. So he tells the story, kind of um, illustrates it a little bit more. And then verse 31, it says, but seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. He's saying, it's not enough for you to just say, I'll be generous. or oh, I believe that God wants me to be generous. You got to actually do something with it. Faith is not just believing. Faith is displayed in actions. You can say all day that you're gonna, you believe something to be true, but unless it's displayed in your actions, you don't truly believe it. It hasn't gotten down to your soul. It hasn't worked itself out in the world around you. So faith is not just believing intellectually and be like, oh yeah, this is what God wants me to do. It's actually doing it. It's like I've run across people, of course nobody in this church, I've run across people though before that would say, uh, oh man, when I, when I make more money, like when I, when I win the Powerball, man, I'm gonna give some money to the church. Uh, here's the principle that I've learned over the years, like, if you're not giving to the church, now you're not gonna give when you win the Powerball. Now, I will say this, if any of you win the Powerball, I'm willing to test that theory. <laughs> However, pretty sure the theory stands that if you're not giving now, you're not gonna give when you get an increase. You know, people will say, well, when I get more money or when, I, when this situation changes in my life or whatever, but generosity is just about starting. Like, you just got to take a step. Like, not wait for something to change, but go, this is what God has called me to do. Why? Because God is first a generous God. And when you and I become generous, when we become more generous, we're taking a step toward the heartbeat of God. That's the reality. So how do you seek his kingdom? Let me give you two two suggestions. Number one, always have your yes on the table. Always have your yes on the table. Whatever people come at you with, yes. Yes. Whatever your kids want, yes. Whatever your wife, your husband wants, yes. Whatever God wants, yes. Again, if you heard me clearly earlier, I'm not saying you can always do all those things, but you're leading from a different posture. Like I'm not gonna save up everything now for one day that might not ever exist. I'm not gonna control that. Like what God's given me, he's given me, it's a blessing. So I lead with my yes. So lead with your yes. You might not be able to do everything. I mean, if you are, then you're incredibly wealthy or no one's asking you to do anything. But if you're like a normal person, like I am, you have to say no to some things, but lead with your yes. Okay, what does that look like? Hey, if we were to do this, kids, if you you wanna do this, if we were to do that, what would it look like? Here's our budget or here's what we have. How do we make this work? What do we need to sacrifice? What do we need to give up? I mean, we do this in normal life. I'm just saying we have to do it with our finances too, lead with your yes. And the second step is a very practical step. is take a step in your generosity. We're, we've created this 90-day generosity challenge. There's a card on every seat. I'm gonna, I'm gonna encourage and challenge you to take a step of faith in your generosity over the next 90 days. I'm not doing it forever. I'm not asking you to do it forever. Why 90 days? Because I believe after the 90 days, you're gonna be like, Yo, God showed up. Like God did some things. So, what does it look like? To take a 90-day generosity challenge. We, we've created this generosity ladder. We believe that everybody's at a different stage in life right now, and so just pick which stage you're at and then take one step. Take one step on this ladder. What does that mean? It means you go from. For some of us, it's going from nothing to something. What is something, Ernest? You got to have a number in your head. I don't. Five bucks. You're gonna have five bucks for the year. That's totally fine. We've said as a church, it's never about what we want from you. It's what we want for you. So I'm not. I'm not looking. I don't look at your giving records. Okay. I'm not like, oh man, that person doesn't give, or oh man, they give a whole lot. Or I'm not. I'm not doing that. That's not. That's not my job. My job is to encourage all of us to lean in on God. And so maybe you go from nothing to something. Just start. Maybe you go from something to significant. What's significant? Significant is a, a percentage. So you're already giving something, but you're gonna go, I'm gonna give 1%, 3%, 5%, 8%, whatever it is of what you bring in. When you do that, you're attaching your generosity to your money. You're going, okay, no matter what, no matter what comes our way, no matter how hard it may be, we're gonna give this percentage. The cool thing about that is that when you get more, when you get bonuses or increases or whatever, you can give more. And then the next one is significant to tithe. Now, tithe is, the, is really the floor of giving in the Bible. I remember when I first came to Christ and I heard about tithing, like I'm a black and white type person. So I'm like, well, I tithe. And so I just started tithing. And then I would hear people that gave, but they didn't tithe. And I'm like, you sinner, you know? Like I didn't have grace toward other people. As a church, we wanna make sure we meet everybody where they are. But if you're already a significant, then go to tithe, go to 10%. This is the only place in scripture that God says, test me in this. It's the only place where God says, test me. And see, if you do this, see if I don't open the windows of the storehouses and pour out blessings on you. Now that doesn't mean that if you give $10, he's gonna give you 20 back, okay? We don't believe that as a church, you don't see that in scripture. What we do believe is that he will bless you. Sometimes that's financially. Like the McCune's, that's awesome. 20%, I haven't gotten that since I committed to for the church, for the city. I would love that. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes it's blessings in other ways, like in your relationships, in your faith, in your journey with the Lord. I'll guarantee you, though, He'll bless you. He promises it. It's the only place He says, Test me in this. And God's never fallen through on a promise. So maybe you want to go to tithe, or maybe, lastly, is tithe to sacrificial. What's sacrificial? It's above and beyond the tithe. It's what Jesus says to the young, rich guy when he says, hey, you want to come follow me? Go and sell everything. The guy's like, ah, that's a hard one. It's not because God wants your money or God needs your money. God's not like, oh man, if I just had more money, I could do more things in this world. That's not how God works. What is he looking for? He's looking for a heart. Does he have your heart in this area? He can have your heart in other areas, but does he have your heart in this area? Again, we can't take pieces of the kingdom and not take... The economy piece. Okay, God, that's what you call me to do. So over the next 90 days, will you take a step? Take a step with me. Take a step with me and Sarah. I mean, we already know, we know what we identify on this on this ladder. We're gonna take a step. What does that mean? I don't know. I've talked to her. She's more generous than me, so I think we'll be good. But we gotta take a step. So I'm not looking for you to give me a number. I'm looking for you to take a step. I'll tell you in a minute what to do with these cards. I'll I'll come back up, we're gonna do some response time, then I'll come back up and tell you what to do with the cards. But in this time, just be praying. God, what do you want me to do? Take a step closer to your heart, heart of generosity. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and I thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you for this parable. I remember the first time hearing this parable and I didn't like it because it just challenged me. Challenged my heart, challenged my bank account, challenge the values that I grew up seeing and believing. But God, I thank you that it's one that we all need. And Jesus, you told this story knowing it would not just impact those people back then, but it would impact people in every generation, including ours. So Father, I pray that you would tell us what our next steps are with this topic. And God, I know that You are a generous God. And so our generosity really starts with first receiving the generosity you have given to us, that you have displayed for us. That yet while we're still sinners, you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross to pay the penalty that we deserve to pay so that we could receive not something that we were owed, something that was due to us, something you willingly wanted to give. So Father, I pray now that you would meet us where we are. I pray for those who have walked into this place that we could be real honest and say, you know what? Before I can ever give a dime, I need to first receive what God's done for me. Maybe you walked into this place, maybe you're watching online and you'd say, you know, man, I'm not in a right relationship with God. I've been doing my own thing, live my own life. And it's not working. And I want to receive what Jesus has done for me. What does that mean? It means you recognize that you're a sinner. All of us are. That sin separates us from God. But Because God loves you so much and he wants a relationship with you, he sent Jesus to pay the price. The price that our sin deserved. and called us to pay. He paid it. So it's just saying, God, I surrender to you. I want to come home. If that's you with every head bowed and eyes closed. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. But if you would say, man, I, I want to come home today. I want to receive God's generosity toward me. I want to commit my life to Christ or recommit my life to Christ. I just want you to raise a hand. I want to know who to pray for right now. Just raise your hand. Amen. 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 Father, thank you for each one of these individuals. Thank you that you can use a topic like this to draw people to yourself. If you're watching at home, just type, text the word, follow to the number on the screen. I just want to say God sees you. God knows your name and he loves you deeply, so much so that he's given everything for you. And then for all of us, God, tell us what our next steps are. God, help us take a step in our faith as it pertains to generosity. I don't wanna be that fool. I don't wanna be the fool that does it the world's way. And at the end of the day, I might have lots of money. I might have lots of possessions. I could be empty. I want to be one that's focused on you, God. No matter what you give me, no matter how much you give me, I want to be focused on you. May our hearts be directed at you. May your kingdom come in Jesus' name.